Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Womenhood and International Relations podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Bonilla, and for today's episode, we will be addressing Human Rights Day 2021. When I was researching for today's episode, I was having a lot of emotions. It feels as if, you know, discussing human rights defense or protection or, you know, the milestone of the celebration of Human Rights Day, etc. is a bit pointless nowadays. And I've experienced something similar with the Day of Elimination of Violence Against Women a couple of years ago. But in this specific occasion, I felt drawn to record a commentary about this. And I've been battling to understand um, whether it is a remnant of, you know, international relations courses and, you know, all these mindset of, you know, human rights are for everybody and, you know, it creates a space for each person around the world to live a dignified life. I don't know if it's tied to that mindset. I'm still in this deconstruction process. But I also was wondering if I felt compelled to talk about human rights today, not only because it's December 10th (laughs) and everybody's talking about it, but also because we should strive to defend and protect each other. So today I don't have that quite clear. But what I do have clear are some comments that I'm going to be sharing due to the latest crisis that we have seen and perhaps some of the crises that we are suffering. Those silent crises that barely get noticed in the time of a day. Um, do we believe in human rights? What makes us believe that we have rights or that we should have rights or that we were born with them? Is it our context? Is it our education system? Is it our family values? Are there specific institutions in our community or in our nations that make us believe that they do matter? that these piece of papers or, you know, legislations or, you know, moral obligations actually are legitimate. Are human rights an action item or are they just, you know, nice words that we can throw around and you know, it sounds good to have a right, (laughs) a right to speak, a right to move, a right to, you know, get a job and get education. Oh wait, but something very important, they are universal. So if they're universal, regardless of not a country recognizes human rights or regardless if a person knows that they have human rights or not, they're universal, so it should be recognized. If that person has the means to learn that they have their 
human rights taken away or violated or etc. And if they have the means to go to court and seek justice. Oh wait, but then you have international court systems and judges and lawmakers and you know all different types of people working to seek justice that for some reason are blind in the search of equality you know that the law is blind you know the blindfold then it doesn't matter your race it doesn't matter your gender you're supposed to be protected but these court cases take over 10 15 20 years if you're lucky and if you have you know top lawyers and and you know it becomes a state issue to get the <laughs> court case resolved in order to receive some kind of recognition that a wrongdoing was done to you okay and then you have those that are monitoring the human rights that are defending human rights all the time to states to look over their citizens that are being threatened that are barely being funded that are experiencing a lot of hardships to get campaigns across to move forward the needle for better human relationships with one another but somehow they're being taken over by you know the military industry complex that has billions and billions of millions of dollars by cultures of violence that are taking over the entertainment industry that are taking over our education system and without any impunity because even people pay for watching these movies for you know getting these video games for buying these guns for protection to feel powerful for whatever reason it is and then you have those that are activists of human rights being shunned away, silenced, disappeared, killed for speaking up, for saying, hey, something's wrong. Hey, we need to, you know, pay attention to this. This crime should not continue. No more violations, etc. I am sure there are many other actors and scenarios that I'm not mentioning that are part of the complexity of this area of human rights. But I'm sharing this specific sketch <laughs> to bring this question of whether or not we are living up to what we were taught to what we were told that matter because we as humans have rights and as rights they should matter when are we defending and protecting those rights when bad situations come knocking on our door when conflict 
takes over our villages, when, you know, the state makes a specific lockdown measure or, you know, a dictatorship run, and that's how we begun, you know, like waking up to this, to the possibility that we are being violated in more ways than one. When are human rights important to us? When December 10th comes, when the United Nations said so, when the government launches a campaign, hopefully that says that women's rights are human rights. I'm joking, but I'm not joking. <laughs> when? Is it a one-time thing? Is it when something is being done wrong to us that we remember that we have some sort of right? And if we don't have anything right, why do we want a specific recognition from these structures? Do we even know why rights exist? And this is very dense topic because these are questions that we don't ask ourselves. Just lately, I was listening to this whole conversation on how feminist movements were born through violence and how the first wave of the suffragettes, you know, the, the right to vote in elections and, you know, take this uh, symbolic right as the representation of citizenship for some women around the world, um, actually was a violent move. And one that needed to be constantly reassured because at any point, any given time, that specific right to vote could be taken away. And then it came the right to speech, and then it came the right to work, and then the right to education, etc. you know? Who decides what rights are given? And who decides which others are taken away? And why? Do we ask ourselves those questions? Is it even crossing our minds? And I do get that it's not about living in paranoia. Like, oh my God, like now I have to be on the lookout and none of my human rights are taken away. <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> it's not about living in paranoia, although these times can definitely call for some of that coming. But perhaps the call is to broaden our understanding of human security, human protection. Over and over in this platform, we have been asking ourselves these questions. Why some lives are more valuable than others? Why does it seem like that? We can go through the realm of patriarchal system and patriarchal mindset. We can talk about international security and WPS agenda. We can talk about gender and about race and about intersectionality. But all these roads can lead us to that specific question. Why? 
why the answer varies. If human rights are universal, why their protection, their defense, their teaching varies? Oh, but Natalia, there are different cultures, nations, you know, different understandings about what the word can mean, different religions and what they say about human rights, etc. Great. I'm not bringing these questions to deconstruct the universality of human rights. Or, on the contrary, to question the different perceptions and perspectives and, you know, views of the world of everybody. No. I'm bringing this question because it seems the value, the worth of us depends on the lenses of which we give power to. If we give power to law, if we give power to the state, if we give power to a religious leader or a community or ourselves, whoever, then that value will shift. Are we aware of our own value system? Something that we even explored together in a, the interview with Paul and Scott on the arithmetic of compassion it was an incredible conversation. I will list it down below, a previous episode from a psychological point of view, why some lives matter more than others. And Paul said in his research that people don't necessarily have a clear system or belief system of what they value. Regardless of culture, regardless of education, regardless of whether they're born in the suburbs or in urban areas or in rural cities, whatever. <laughs> and I am starting to explore that myself because, you know, we are told that we have rights, but it isn't until someone tells me that I have a right that I start researching about it because, you know, I didn't know that I have the right to vote. I was being told that when I reached 18, I could vote for my governor. Like, I wasn't even appreciating that I have a right to vote or, you know, molding my vision and like, wow, this is so valuable. That was not in my value system. It was not told to me or taught to me 
that it was a valuable thing. You just did it. You just went 18 and then you have the opportunity to get your driver's license and then you go and you know register for voting and that's it. You don't make such a big of a deal. Is the UN Charter of Universal Human Rights something that we can agree upon? Or are we just reading it because, you know, that's what's being told to us, that the professor wants to, you know, ask us that question in a test. So in order to pass my class at the university level, I need to write over that specific chart. I cannot leave anything out because then he would not allow me or she would not allow me to pass. Okay, so do we really believe in the stuff that, you know, we write essays about? Or are we just reproducing knowledge because that's what's gonna give, a, give us external validation? The United Nations announced that today, December 10th, 2021, the theme from Article 1 was equality. All human beings are born free and equal dignity and rights, closing quote. Do you believe in that? Who believes in this? Oh, but Natalia, that's what we should aspire to. That should be like the ideal. Though in practice it is not, we should see these charters as, you know, projections, like the way the world should be. Although it is not like that, but it should be like that. From should to be, there's a long stretch mark. And where there are so many human rights violations that go under the radar, where, where places where justice systems are flooded with corruption, with inefficiency, with heavy-duty protocols, because the more protocol it is in order to improve whatever that type of story that they tell us, well, that's why they complicate things, okay? The more impunity there is, the less we can believe that the systems in place are actually there to protect and defend human rights. I feel like the meme of the doc that says it needed to be said and it was said. <laughs> I don't know if you know that meme is about like a yellow dog and it's like, you know, saying it needed to be said and it's said. I don't know how to say it in the English language. Perhaps in Spanish it feels better. Like, se tenía que decir y se dijo. <laughs> I want to read a quote from one of the secretaries that is commemorating this day that I found very interesting. It's uh, the Secretary General of the Council of Europe, Marija Pechsinovic Burik. She made a statement that I'm going to list down below in the description box. Open quote. When faced with difficult challenges, it can be tempting for states to consider relaxing human rights protections. In fact, 
the opposite should happen. When times get tough is when we most need to stand up for and abide by the unique system of values that we have built over the last 70 years. There is no doubt that Europe is currently facing a number of significant challenges, not least in the form of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, illegal migration, climate change, and societal issues, including growing religious intolerance, racism, discrimination, and violence against women, closing quote. I'm gonna list this statement down below in the description box. But interestingly enough, I found quite good to emphasize on this phrase. When times get tough is when we most need to stand up for and abide by the unique systems of values that we have built over the last seven years. And just to deconstruct, because there's many things that we can take from this specific phrase. One of them is frankly ironic. If we look at the state of protests in the European Union, I understand that the Secretary General could have been expressing as herself, as a woman with her own values, but then it brings, you know, the whole conversation about feminist theory and about deconstruction, you know, like the conversation on the title of the institution that she represents. And looking at the different protests that are taking over Europe against lockdowns against the illegal migration measures against inflation economic downturns you know uh, different government austerity uh, protocols laws that are being enforced you know many things are going on in specifically in that region it's very rich to see that when times get tough <laughs> that's when we need to reinforce the unique system of values that you know, are connected to who we are, that we built over the last 70 years. So there's no an explicit um, phrase or mention of changing that system, but rather continuing. Even amidst conversations that it is already failing for the majority of people. I know it's hard to maintain systems for years on end but not recognizing that this unique value system not everybody is believing in that unique value system not specifically in that region we can go to other regions as well and talk about other unique value systems that don't get the time of the day but in this specific statement i found that incredibly interesting because Times are tough and it seems that democracy is failing or, you know, I don't want to go the pessimistic route here, but that's what it is training us to think about. War journalism does that to us. It trains our brains into believing the worst, that everything is failing, everything is dying, and therefore you know, we should be always in fear. Instead of feeling joyful that perhaps systems that were not sustainable anymore can shift and it can pave the way to something new that, you know, is connected to 
the specific needs of this generation, we don't feel like that. We are scared and we are hopeless in a sense. And these cultures of violence also prepare us to believe in the worst and prepare already for doomsday. Okay, I have to pause the recording because there was a car in front of the window and my dogs were very, very loud. So sorry for the abrupt um, episode. This still is a new era for me. I'm still getting accustomed to the best ways to record without so much noise. Um, But the other thing that I wanted to share just to finish that specific thought on this quote is that there's a whole perception of structure over humans these type of statements not specifically this one as the example but many others throughout during this day human rights day look over institutions their statements and people that represent those institutions what is their take most of them are talking from the structure over humans state preservation power and recognition power recognition and external validation that this specific structure gives the the humans are expressing these statements i i may repeat this because perhaps it's not getting clear When we put the structure over humans, those people representing the structures, be it the state, the system, the institution, X, Y, Z, when they speak with their titles, these specific statements come with an implicit and explicit view of the world and over how human rights should be preserved or availed or systems need to uphold etc right but we don't talk about how the structures that they are part about are giving them expectations or they are forming expectations of the structure preservation over their own specific lives because once again the experience of humans the subjectivity of us is not a topic of conversation when we are talking about politics or international relations because it needs to be devoid of emotion it needs to be all rationale we cannot be emotional because that doesn't make us good politicians or good title holders they are not gonna give us a title or a position just because we feel good or we you know no it's because of your iq levels or your resume or your cv or who you know etc it's very intellectual mind over instinct and that's one of the biggest challenges that we find with the patriarchal mindset you know this is part as well of privileging the mind the masculine the rationale over what's considered and deemed to be feminine, which includes the instinct, the institution, the intuition, sorry, intuition, the wilderness of each of, of each one of us. So we are leading 
or we are asking to promote human rights and to advocate for human rights with a rationale that is devoid of emotion. And if we feel a lot to promote human rights, we get killed in the process or we get shunned because our emotions take over our rationale or we don't have the right statistics or we are not quoting the right people when we are going to these international forums. Or if we go by the rules of the game, we may be used as tokens for specific, you know, lobby groups and institutions are trying to move forward the needle. But hey, we can't talk about that. <laughs> Who dares to talk about that? <laughs> That's too deep. Okay, so we have Yemen, we have Libya, we have tensions in Ukraine, according to the International Crisis Group, that are going to increase the specific um, December 2021, last month of the year. We have as well eruptions in Armenia and Azerbaijan, deterioration and conflict um, increase in El Salvador, in Western Sahara, in Burkina Faso, Belarus, Solomon Islands, and even in Bosnia and Herzegovina. I've been watching some interesting reports on geopolitics in Bosnia and how it's being shifted. I will list down below in the description box for you to check it out. Um, also, we have the whole conflict in Ethiopia with Tigray and the Democratic Republic of Congo. I mean, there are many, many issues apart or even alongside the COVID-19 pandemic that we may not have time or, you know, our minds may shut as a preserving mechanism because it's a lot to take in emotionally and mentally caring about everything that's happening in every part of the world is very exhausting and I don't know person yet that can handle this very well because it's a lot to take in so I will list down below in the description box several crisis information for you to dig deeper if you feel drawn to it. I invite you to follow us on Instagram at womenhood underscore IR to check all the interviews that we have done on um, the monitor of conflicts, the ACLED, which is an incredible tool to monitor the different um, conflicts around the world. Also, the interviews we have done on international security, on peace and conflict resolution, as well as an interview we did with uh, Refugees International on uh, um, the migration crisis that we are take, seeing taking over the news lately. Um, yeah, I don't have words of encouragement today and I've been trying to reframe to record because I don't wanna bring this pessimistic um, view of the world here. Um, but believe me, I'm trying to figure out ways to move forward with the podcast without being Debbie Downer and without feeling like how I'm feeling. So if you have any tips, any suggestions, any ideas for upcoming episodes, um, we are going on a hiatus until next year with a new season that I'm already preparing. 
um, please be sure to fill out our 2021 survey, online survey. It's very quick. It's only two minutes long um, for you to share your ideas and any uh, ways that we can improve the podcast. We will greatly appreciate it. And yeah, if you want to support our growth, you can follow us on uh, um, our Patreon become a patron of the platform we would greatly appreciate you and you know invite you to come on board i will list it down below on the description box all the links thank you so much for tuning in and happy happy holidays i got so excited that i almost knocked over my coffee mug okay so um yeah have a great great end of the year and if possible rest and be with your family members if that's possible. Talk to you soon.